0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and I are going to be talking about lights for mountain biking. Specifically, we're talking about the lights that let you ride on trails at night, and we're going to run down all the things you need to know about lights for mountain biking. So, I wanted to start off talking about the history of riding at night, and it turns out there isn 't a whole lot of information about this. Um, I was telling Aaron that at Interbike a couple of years ago, I was talking to someone from the Mountain Bike Hall of Fame and they had uh, one of the old original you know early mountain bikes on display there, and it had some kind of light on it with like one of those big you know nine volt d c batteries on it that you'd use to like I don't know, start a fishing boat or something. <laughs> but apparently, you know, people have been riding at night for a long time. Were you able to find anything, Aaron, about the history of mountain biking at night?
1: Not really. Uh, not as it pertains specifically to mountain biking. Most of the major light companies um, all started around 25 years or a little bit longer ago. So that would include Night Rider, Light in Motion, and Saigo Light. They actually all started out in. California, roughly around the same time, but kind of spread along the the California coast for different purposes. I think, uh, I think light and motion began as diving light company, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe Knight Rider was for surfing. So I'm sure when, when they created these lights, they realized quickly that they had other applications and chances are, if you're into extreme sports like night diving and night surfing (laughs) maybe you're a mountain biker too so I think yeah as long as there's been mountain biking there's probably been night riding as well
0: Yeah. Another interesting thing is that it seems like, you know, many years ago, the 24 hour racing was a big driver. So most people I knew at that time that were buying bike lights, were doing it for these 24 hour races. And the features that you're going to want on a light are a little bit different if you're just using them for racing. So you're going to think about, you know, how you can make the lights really lightweight. um, And also you want them to charge quickly. So, you know, you can drop your battery you know, every lap and have it charge quickly so you're ready to go again around for another lap. But these days, 24 hour racing is not very big at all. You don't see a lot of night mountain bike races, um, and so the need for the the lights to charge quickly is not as great as it used to be. Um, and also, the lights don't necessarily have to be like race light, lightweight. Anyway, so how are bike lights different from, like, flashlights and general-purpose lights?
1: Well, the form factor's a little bit different. It's going to be, you know, something that obviously has to mount either to your bike or to your head. So maybe a typical flashlight design um, is not not the best solution. They've got to be bright enough for your typical ride. According to our survey, the average night ride is about two and two and a quarter hours long. So it's got to at least get you through that. And, yeah, so they got to be compact. they got to be high-quality, uh, long-lasting rechargeable batteries. And, obviously, yeah, you don't want to be swapping out a bunch of AA's trailside every time your light burns out. Yeah, but none of that is to say that
0: you couldn't use, like, a flashlight. A lot of people in the survey that we did said that they used flashlights or, you know, they kind of rigged stuff together. I think even some companies like Phoenix, they have more of, like, a flashlight-style light that you can, you can still mount to a helmet or handlebars. Um, but it is a little awkward using that form factor. And like you said, most night rides last about two hours, which is probably similar to most, you know, weekday rides for most people anyway. And it turns out if you look at the runtime of most lights on the market today, uh, you look at the runtime on high, most of them are right around two hours. So the light companies have figured out how to get just enough juice um, so that you're, you know, you can get through your ride, but you're not carrying around a lot of extra battery weight. And then, yeah, I, I wanted to say something too about the rechargeable batteries. You know, with bike packing coming on, it seems to me anyway that you would want something where you could. In a pinch you know buy some batteries at like a convenience store or whatever if your, your bike light is dead so it would seem that the ability to put in you know more standard type batteries would be something that people would be interested in but i think what a lot of people are doing is they're they're using the rechargeable batteries but they're figuring out other solutions like a dynamo hub or uh solar panels or something like that so again the lights these days they're mostly are rechargeable some do have like uh swappable batteries so you could you could juice up like two or three battery packs for a multi-day trip um and then swap them out as you go but again, you're not going to find any bright lights anyway that are running off of like double A batteries or anything. So how bright do mountain bike lights need to be? We said that the lights that are designed specifically for mountain biking are bright because they need to be. So what does that additional brightness do for riders? And again, what is like how bright do they need to be?
1: Well, that all depends on how fast you want to go. Obviously, Brighter lights are going to give you more confidence to ride faster in the dark. And I, I think kind of the bare minimum that you need to ride safely and at a good pace in the dark is right around 700 lumens.
0: Yeah, that does seem to be sort of the magic number. And when I started out night riding, I was on some much lower. I was, I think I was doing like 150 lumens. So it is possible. But again, all it, all that does is it slows you down. And it might not feel like it at night because it's dark and you can't judge your speed as well, but you're definitely going to be going a lot slower if you have anything less than 700 lumens. We also did some interesting research and looked at people's rides, the rides they recorded on single tracks, um, and looked at the time of day. So we looked at rides that happened during daylight hours, and then we looked at rides that happened uh, during nighttime hours. And we looked at hundreds, if not thousands, of rides that people had logged. And we found that people were riding at night about 17% slower than they do during the day, uh, which is kind of an interesting stat. It's not surprising at all. But the brighter the light that you have, the closer you're going to be going to your daylight speed. There are lights on the market that are, the biggest one I know of is like 6,000 lumens or something, the Trail LED and I tested the smaller version. I think it's like a 3600 lumen version.
1: Just 3600? Just
0: 3600. But that alone was like, you know, it's like one of those light rigs that, you know, it's like gas powered that they put like when they're doing highway work out. It's like having one of those on your helmet and you could see everything. You could ride as fast as you want, in my opinion, with 3600 lumens. But just know that you could go even higher if you want to. If you're, maybe if you're doing like downhill, or something like that, maybe, maybe you could do 6,000 lumens. I don't know. Maybe I can't ride fast enough to justify that. <laughs> so, as far as the battery is concerned, what are some of the considerations uh, when you're looking for like a bike light? Uh, what you look for on the battery?
1: Well, the first one is how are you going to charge it, whether that's via a USB port or if it has a proprietary charger. I think more and more we're seeing manufacturers move to USB charging, at least on the the smaller self-contained units uh, that seem to be more popular. Some of the larger models have external battery packs that have proprietary chargers just because of the way that the lighthead plugs into the battery that's also used as the charging port so different companies have different ideas for what works best for that obviously having a proprietary charger is not necessarily ideal because then you have to have that proprietary charger with you all the time where if you have a usb charger you can you know you can plug it into your computer or your laptop or into a wall charger or even into your your car. I've done that while driving to the trail, you know, just make sure your lights topped off by using the outlet in your car. So that's definitely the first consideration. Yeah. One thing to
0: say about the USB charging is it, like you said, is super convenient um, because you're never like, looking for the charger for it but the drawback is that it's going to be a lot slower so there's only a certain amount of juice that usb can put through it so yeah again like you said the really high-end ones they're not going to have usb chargers because it would take like three days to charge those big batteries (laughs) over usb so how long does it take typically to charge lights like what's a reasonable amount of time
1: i would say at least you're going to at least be looking at twice the brightest runtime. So if you know your light lasts for two hours on high, it's probably going to take close to four hours to charge it, at least if you're talking about a USB charger. And another consideration is... Where if you are using a USB charger, if you're using one on your computer or your laptop, that may charge even slower than plugging it into a wall outlet. So that can really increase the charge time as well. But as for the, the larger units with proprietary chargers, I mean, they still take, you know, anywhere from three to five hours to charge.
0: Yeah. One of the differentiating factors uh, among some lights is actually how fast the battery charges. So there are like premium batteries or premium chargers. I don't know where the bottleneck is, but there is the ability to get fast charging batteries. And some lights tout that as being, you know, a really important feature. Again, it would be great for something like 24 hour racing where you're Swapping batteries every lap. And so you really only have like, you know, one hour to charge the battery. You need to get it as close to full as possible. And then the other thing is if you're a procrastinator or you're forgetful, right? So you're like, you got your Tuesday night ride every Tuesday and then you don't remember until like you're driving home that night and you're like, shoot, I didn't charge my lights. So it could come in handy if you're that kind of person. And the other thing to mention at this point is probably that when you are shopping for lights, Most people are going to just focus on the lumen number. So they're just, you know, that's, and that's how the companies market them is that the brighter the light, the better the light. But again, there are a lot of different factors at play in the quality of the light that you're buying. So the charging time is one of those things that you'll want to consider, especially if that information is available. Not all light companies uh, show that information, but at a minimum, they will tell you, how bright the light is, and how long it will last uh, on various settings on the light. So what are some of the form factors that are available for bike lights? What are the different shapes and sizes that they come in?
1: Well, one that we've already mentioned is the the all-in-one, the self-contained unit. And these look more or less like a small flashlight. So they have the light and the batteries all integrated into one unit. Most of them tend to have a single beam, but there are dual beam options out there so they'll have you know maybe one beam is more of a spotlight while the other beam is more of a floodlight and you start to see that as you go up in lumens obviously you're not going to have a a 500 lumen dual beam light because that would burn through the battery really quick but you are starting to see you know thousand lumen 1200 lumen and brighter self-contained units and they're starting to they're starting to have more than one beam on them i really the all-in-one units are they're nice because you know you don't have to worry about a cord and a battery pack i've had branches snag a cord unplug my light and cause me to crash before which is definitely you know it's par for the course when you're night riding but typically though their battery life isn't as long and that's simply due to a lack of space obviously if you want longer battery life, you need a bigger battery and that's going to make the unit larger and heavier. So there is a, obviously battery technology is getting better every year. So we're seeing, we're starting to see, like I said, you know, we're starting to see really bright self-contained units, but there still is a limit. And like I said, the the brighter self-contained units, they can be fairly hefty. They tend to be better suited maybe to your bars and not your helmet. Because when you do have all that, the weight of the, the light and the battery, you can really start to to feel that as they go up in size. The other style of light would be the light and the corded battery. So this kind of light, the light head itself, is separate from the battery pack. And generally speaking, these are going to be brighter than the all-in-one lights. And since the battery pack is larger, they're also going to offer longer burn times than the all-in-ones. Some of the advantages to this type of light are the light heads themselves don't weigh very much so you don't really notice them on your helmet but you do have to put that battery pack somewhere which can get tricky you either have to mount it to the frame you know if you're using the light on your handlebars for instance you strap the battery pack to your frame somewhere or if you have it mounted to your helmet you're going to need to stick the battery pack in a jersey pocket or a hydration pack which you know presents some other challenges like taking your pack off mid-ride and forgetting that your light is attached to it and then you yeah you jerk your head sideways so yeah and don't ever mount a helmet mounted light
0: to a battery on your frame. It might be tempting to do that <laughs> to try to save some weight and get some weight off your body but don't attach yourself to your bike in that way. That's that's a rookie mistake. The other thing that I want to mention is you know I'm pretty religious about how I route the cords uh, from my helmet light to my battery pack. I usually carry the battery pack in my jersey pocket, in the rear jersey pocket. Though sometimes I'll put it in in my shorts pocket. That that might not be smart. There's sometimes that I just imagine like the battery like exploding and burning my leg off. But but I guess that's the same risk on the back. Anyway, I usually route it underneath my jersey. So in the summertime if I have um, you know, just a single layer on the cord is running, you know, down my back under the jersey. And the reason I do that is to avoid the cable getting snagged on the trail. You know, there's branches and all kinds of things that you don't see at night. And there's nothing worse than being jerked off your bike by a branch that's, you know, grabbing your cord. Fortunately, most of the cords, they do have like breakaway connections and things. So, they're designed so that that's not as likely to happen, but it can definitely still happen, as Aaron and I can both attest to.
1: Yes, and you could also snag the lighthead itself on a branch, even not not the cord, but the you know the lighthead is sitting up higher on your helmet, mm-hmm. um, so it's definitely you got to remember that your helmet is now a couple inches higher, and you have to account for that when you're ducking under stuff. And I want to mention as well, mounting the light head can be tricky depending on the brand of helmet you have and your particular helmet. Um, For example, I have a Smith Forefront helmet and the way it's constructed there's no there's no way for you to feed like a velcro strap through the the vents because essentially it doesn't have any so you have to purchase a separate mount and even that mount that you have to buy which is you know an extra 20 or 25 bucks it doesn't work with all brands of all different brands like mounting systems so you you know you get kind of limited to to what will work so that's another consideration. Yeah, it can definitely
0: be tricky. Uh, a lot of the getting the light mount on your helmet just right, getting it at the right angle, trying to keep it low profile. So again, you're not dinging branches with your light on the time. Recently, this happened to me just two weeks ago. I got hung up on a vine with my light and just about hung myself by my helmet strap. But... What I ended up doing, I destroyed the, the light mount, the helmet mount that came with my light. Lost a piece to it when the whole thing like broke apart. So I ended up zip-tying the light directly to the vents in my helmet. And it actually works better than the dang helmet mount <laughs> did in the first place. So it definitely takes some trial and error to find the best way to mount a light to your helmet. But in the end, good old zip-ties might just work. Zip-ties okay. always save the day. <laughs> Exactly. So speaking of mounts, there's often a debate or a question about where you should mount a light. Specifically, if you just have one light, is it best to put it on the bars or on your helmet? What do you think, Aaron?
1: Well, if you just have one and you put it on your bars, that makes cornering difficult because your head is not pointed in the same direction as the light. If you're cornering properly, you're looking through the corner. So you're going to be looking into the darkness while your light is pointed off somewhere where you don't want to go. But then again, if you put the light, if you only have one light and you put it on your helmet, that flattens out the trail because the light is hitting it at a shallower angle so that can really affect your depth perception. I mean, really the best setup is to have two lights. It's to have one on the bars and one on your helmet. Usually the brighter light on the bars because the brighter light is going to be heavier, so you want that weight down low, you don't want it on your head. And, you know, that way you have good coverage all around. So you, you can get away with a much dimmer light on your helmet just because you just needed to see through the corner just to make sure you're not going to tag a tree or something halfway through.
0: Right. And another trick is you can ride off the front of your group and steal someone's light from behind you. So I've <laughs> done that many times. Like if one of my lights goes out or, you know, one of them's just not bright enough, um, I'll try to make sure I got somebody with a bright light behind me on the trail. And a lot of times that adds, uh, that makes a big difference. So we kind of touched on this earlier, but um, a lot of people are talking about these inexpensive mountain bike lights that can be found online. So if you go on Amazon or eBay um, and search for bike lights, there are a lot of these, you know, kind of sketchy looking, no name brand bike lights that are being sold for incredibly low prices. So why is there such a price disparity between sort of the name brand lights from, you know, bigger companies like Knight Rider and Light in Motion uh, versus these no-name lights?
1: Well, for one, you're basically buying directly from the factory. So that brings the price down, as we all know, the consumer direct You know, bike model is, which is starting to become more popular. You just have, there's no middlemen, so you're buying directly from the factory. That's going to bring the price down. They're produced overseas, so they have lower labor costs, so that brings the price down. But the big factor is the materials and craftsmanship tends to be subpar. I mean, you really, you get what you pay for, I mean, in all things in life, but in particular with lights, you know, the brightness claims and run times tend to be greatly exaggerated I've I've got friends that use these kind of lights and they have to bring multiple battery packs just to get through your average night ride you know so on a two or three hour ride they may have to bring three battery packs with them so you're you know you gotta oh you gotta stop I gotta swap out my battery pack which you know I mean if you saved a ton of money by doing it that way then that's fine but I would rather just be able to go out and make it through my ride with one light and I know For instance, Jeff, you got one of these lights last year, and we took it apart and saw what was inside.
0: Yeah, it didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Uh, We (laughs) we opened up one of the batteries, and and I say we opened it up. I mean, it was already, it wasn't sealed very much. It basically was like kind of electrical tape, you know, binding together three batteries that look like, you know, oversized, like AA batteries together. So we opened it up, and... You know, inside there's just like a little bit of cardboard. And again, it wasn't sealed. So I had been using it over a few rides and I guess sweat or maybe, you know, some moisture had gotten inside of it, but all the connections were like rusted out and were starting to come apart. And, and once that happens, once those connections are not solid anymore, you really have the risk of, of sparking or anything like that. And you, you could start a fire. You know, there's the big thing was it like one or two? Christmases ago where all these people were having problems with these hoverboards that they bought on Mm -hmm. Amazon, uh, with the batteries exploding and burning houses down and stuff. And this is the exact same thing, but obviously bike lights are more of like a niche product, so You don't hear about it, but we actually did interview a guy who his house burned down because he was charging a set of these no name bike lights, uh, at home and he wasn't there. And apparently it started a fire. That was what the, you know, fire marshal concluded. So yeah, you definitely get what you pay for. And hopefully if you're saving money on that, you're buying extra insurance for your house. <laughs>
1: And it, just to mention that uh, you really shouldn't charge anything unattended, even a quality light. I mean, things can things can go wrong, things can malfunction. So it's not a good idea to you know plug your lights in before you go to work and leave them there all day. That that could be disastrous. Um, they do make bags where you can put the lights inside of them to charge. They're like these fireproof bags, essentially. So something you know, did happen, the fire wouldn't spread and those are cheap. So if you're spending, you know, if you're saving money on the, on the lights, you know, spend that on your homeowner's insurance and a, uh, and a bag for, uh, for, for charging your, your battery packs.
0: Yeah. And we should also mention one of the brands that sort of started and maybe is cemented in a lot of people's minds with these inexpensive lights is magic shine. And magic shine is kind of the exception in that they have, gone on to create sort of a brand around these lights. I think they initially started with these sort of knockoff lights and they slapped their label on them. But these days they're actually making some original design lights that are pretty good, but their prices have come up for sure. Um, They're still not, maybe not as expensive as some others on the market, but their quality also isn't quite the same. So they're kind of like in this middle ground uh, between sort of the like super low end lights and the ones that are going to be really high quality. All right, so Aaron, do you have any tips or interesting tidbits to know about mountain bike lights?
1: Well, they can get very hot if you're not moving. So, keep that in mind if you're reach down to to touch it if you're if you're sitting still. And it's it's a good idea if you're if you're not moving to turn off your lights. One, that's going to keep them from overheating, and two, it's going to help you conserve your battery. I like to turn my lights to a dimmer setting, even while we're moving, if we're climbing or if you're riding a tame part of the trail. And I like to save the brightest settings for you know technical sections or descending. And that way you can get some more out of your lights. Yeah, that's a
0: really good tip. Another thing too, is that a lot of these batteries, I mean, these batteries, are they're lithium-ion batteries, uh, which is similar to what you have in like your laptop or your phone. And most of us have experienced that these batteries tend to drain really quickly in like cold temperatures. So I personally, I mean, I live in Atlanta, so I don't ride in super cold temperatures. And I honestly, I don't know that I've ever noticed it or I've never run into a problem with the light running out unexpectedly. Um, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on if you're, if you're riding in really low temperatures. Okay, so finally, people are all jazzed up now about getting an awesome <laughs> mountain bike light especially right in time for the holidays. So what are some bike lights that we can recommend uh, based on sort of what our, our readers are telling us are the bike lights that they prefer?
1: Well, our number one choice from our readers was the Knight Rider Lumina 750. And that's part of the Night Rider Lumina series, which is their self-contained all-in-one units. And I, I personally have had great luck with these. They, offer a great beam pattern they're very bright they offer you know different modes so you can go all the way from the brightest mode which will get you maybe an hour and a half or two hours on high and they have lower modes where you can run up to several hours and they also i like them as well for commuting because they do have flash modes so if you're not on the trail if you're riding Maybe to work, or you're you know riding to the trail on the road. There's a little bit of extra safety feature in there as well.
0: Yeah, and as Aaron said, this is part of the Lumina series from Night Rider, and it's actually the brightest of the Lumina lights. Most of the other lights are made for like Aaron said, commuting. Uh, road biking, but this one in particular is a good choice for mountain biking. Again, it's it's right around that 700 lumen mark, which is what we recommend in terms of like minimal lighting for mountain biking, but it, it does work great. And similarly, the number three choice on our list is the Bontrager ION 700. And again, it's a really similar light. It's all in one. It's about 700 lumens, about the same brightness, about the same battery life, light and motion even has a a series of lights. Again, I mean, if you look at all these, the form factors are very, very similar, similar mounting, similar specs. Um, So really you can look at a lot of different brands um, and find something like this from them. Uh, In the number two slot, since I kind of skipped over that, we have the Knight Rider Pro 1400. And this is one of those that's uh, a two-piece unit, so it's got a separate light and battery. And this one has just a single bulb. Uh, there are more powerful lights from Night Rider and others that uh, will have, you know, two bulbs or three bulbs. So this one's just a single bulb. So it's a pretty small form factor, but it's bright. You know, it's 1400 lumens, which is twice as much as their Lumina series high-end light. Okay, and as we said, number three. Uh, was the Bontrager ION 700. Number four was uh, yet another all-in-one light, the Surface USL 1100. And this is actually one of the brightest all-in-one lights that I've personally seen, 1100 lumens. So a lot of people, again, they really appreciate that form factor, but they're also looking for maximum brightness. And then at number five, we had the Night Lightning Quad Blast, which honestly, I don't know a lot about that light, um, but apparently it 's it 's pretty popular with our readers. One thing we should note too about these lights you know we We looked at the most popular lights and sort of broke them down into the all in one lights and then the the two part light systems and there 's actually a big difference so really if you 're just getting into night riding. I would say one of the first things is figure out if you can get away with an all in one or if you want you know a more powerful two part system um, because the all in one systems the average price is going to be about eighty six bucks whereas if you're looking at a two piece system that has a battery and a light you know and a cable connecting the two those the average price is two hundred and fifty bucks, so uh, you know it's really like a like a consumer level, pro level kind of distinction that you're looking at between the two. But again, there are there are all kinds of trade-offs because the all-in-ones are lighter and they're gonna have lower runtime, but the pro systems are obviously going to be heavier with a longer runtime. So keep that in mind when you're shopping for lights.
1: Yeah, I mean I would recommend you know, look at those average prices. I would even say, you know, if you bought two of the all-in-one systems at 86 bucks a piece, you're still going to come in well under the, the average price for uh, one of the, the higher level corded battery style lights.
0: Well, great. Hopefully this has been a helpful discussion about bike lights and people have learned a little bit more about what to look for when shopping for them. If you want more information, including all the survey data that we talked about, um, a lot of the tips uh, in terms of what you should look for when you're buying a light, definitely check out Single Tracks. We've got a ton of articles about that. Just search for night riding or bike lights and we'll get you sent in the right direction. And also, if you're enjoying the Single Tracks podcast, be sure to rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again next week. Peace.